the future of photography. How uh, good are you at painting? Me, if I could paint, I wouldn't need a camera, would I? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I say. <laughs> so, painting, painting can be very intricate and very um, a lot of effort, but. There is something that has come out of a couple of weeks ago, which I thought would make a perfect fit for the future of photography, because I think it's, it's, it's amazing and exciting, but also scary at the same time. And I'm talking about the French painter Paul Gauguin. Which uh, yes, well, he, he knew how to flick a brush across a canvas. Yep. <laughs> no, so 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 there's a company out there, a tiny little company. I don't know if we mentioned them before here, called Nvidia. Uh, <laughs> no, never heard of them. <laughs> who who we talked about back in episode 63, and then some more. 63 was the one where they came up with a, a GAN, a generational advers adversarial network, which is an, an AI that generates faces. You remember that. I do, um, yeah. That was um, yes. That makes fake people, right? So that, and there, there are more websites out there now that generate fake everything. So this has almost uh, exploded now. So if you need a photo of a dog or a car or something, yeah, go go at it. <laughs> there's there is <laughs> there's a free, pretty much free stock photography out there now that is artificially generated, and uh, they have Nvidia has just. And we should probably sooner or later get someone from NVIDIA here in the show because <laughs> yeah. they, they, they are at it again. Um, they came up with another GAN that they uh, that they named Gauguin because it sounds like Gauguin. Um, and it's about painting and artificial photography again. And this time they present a network that can generate landscape photos. But It's not just that. It's not just a landscape photo as in yeah, generate a landscape photo from a random from from random data. No, they have come up with a painting program where you can paint landscape photos. So it, it, and you you've just watched the video. Um, so what you have is, we, we know these paint programs, right? You have a paint program, you have a paintbrush, and then you have like a color palette. You choose the color from, and then you paint that color onto your canvas. Now, what they have, they have repl replaced that that color palette with a what they call a semantic palette. So, mm. instead of colors, they now have fields or brushes to choose from that say sky and tree and snow and water and cloud and hill and grass and river and rock and so on. <laughs> so, you paint a very crude picture of, well, the landscape that you imagine. I mean, really, a broad stroke at the bottom of the screen, this is my dirt. And then there's yeah, a bit of it, grass it, it, here. It, yes, it's, your, it, in, it's interesting. It, it, the, if, if this was a painting by numbers, you'd be drawing the boxes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> yes. how far it goes. No detail in those boxes. It's like a children's painting, right? This is like kids would would paint and if you want to make a tree then yeah take the tree brush and make a shape of a tree which initially i thought oh that's interesting and then it it, it converts that into a photo in almost instantly 
And initially I thought, oh, that's interesting. They have like a whole bunch of textures saved and then they apply the textures there, maybe choose from a from a, a bucket of textures that has multiple C textures and multiple tree textures and so on. But this goes way beyond that. And uh, it's, it's really interesting. So, for example, when you paint a tree, then there is a tree, okay? But it's one tree brush. It's not a... This is the bark and this is the leaves and this is the the twigs and stuff <laughs> brush. No, no, it's one tree brush and it just knows, okay, this is what a tree looks like and it makes that shape into a tree with a with a stem, with a bark, with, with, uh, with yep. the leaves and everything. Uh, yes, it's quite <laughs> astonishing. It is quite astonishing to see this in action. Um, or if you then put a, let's say you put a... A lake in front of that tree. Of course, the tree reflects in the lake, and the landscape around it. <laughs> of course, it, it does. Of course, lake. it does. Of course. And then does. you change the sky and make it a bit more cloudy, and then that reflects in the water, and it changes the light on the entire scene. And then you have another palette where you where you select kind of the style of that picture. Is it more of a sunset one? Is it more of a snowy one? Is it what season is it in? And based on that simple drawing, on that what they call a segmentation map, because it pretty much cuts the image into segments, mm. um, based on that, the image completely changes. And at least at the resolution I saw in the video, that looks rather convincing. Do you know what? It, it does, doesn't it? And especially seeing is, yeah, when you've got things like, you know, there, there's one demo where they, they're drawing rocks just off the seashore and you can see the, the, the way the color of the sea changes where it's coming in. You know, it's, 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 it, the, the view, point of view is if you're stood right where the sea hits the beach and it's a sandy beach and it changes the color of the sea because the rock is in a certain position that you've drawn and stuff like that. That's, it's, and it's and it, it's not just it's, just it's not just the rock changing like its reflection and the light, but no, of course, around a, a big rock in the water, there's also uh, the water will react differently. So at that edge between yes. the rock and the water, there's now foam and water splashing, and the yeah. waves around the rock move in a different way. And oh my, goodness. yes, it's kind of. Um, it's it's kind of nuts, isn't it? It's 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 it's, it's just wow, just wow. Um, and I know Nvidia wow us quite regularly, don't they? <laughs> they? They do. And the the one thing in in one of the demo videos, the one thing that I kind of uh, that that scares me a bit is well, a few things that kind of scare me. Of course, um, as a professional photographer, after this is out and creates imagery at a certain quality no one's ever going to ask a photographer again to take a landscape picture for them um there will be a whole lot of questioning about photos and are they real and so on even more than than there is already no what scares me is the the smiling people who who sell <laughs> you that as a as the best future possible and i'm sure that uh bunch of people listening to this right now are really in deep thought about what this means it's yeah it's, i mean i mean my my, my I've, I've posted this online on social media and my uh 
what what I what I captioned this with is uh, stock photography is toast. Hmm. Hmm. Maybe landscape photography is toast. A good friend of mine is a almost professional landscape photographer. He hates that. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's not a friend of this. Well, you know, it's it, it, we've we've said we've said often, haven't we, that that actually the the creativity is is the bit you know that you know uh, and is the bit that real people can can do. Um, you know, it's it's moving the composition by you know a small amount to make it you know far more aesthetically pleasing. It's knowing when to press the shutter button and things like that. Um, and you know, whilst th this is this is great, so if I if I uh, you know play the other side for for a while, um, you know, actually, yes, the, you can generate people's faces statically with the range of different lighting conditions. Yes, you can generate a static landscape. Can you really capture life this way, or or, or generate something that looks like real life this way? For me, for me, not because for me, photography is about capture is, is at least partially about capturing a, a moment or a look on somebody's face or you know a, an event of some kind. And you know, wedding photographers are not going to go out of business, are they? Because you're not going to do a wedding. <laughs> Maybe well, we all just need to become wedding photographers. <laughs> look at look at the last episode. You need just need one of these Metaport devices and create a virtual representation of the bride and the groom and then <laughs> into space <laughs> so no i mean i mean okay so what does that mean for the future of photography is stock photo photography really toast um i have of course i've thought about this long and uh, still haven't really come to a full conclusion but I've seen some uh, some areas where it became important to distinguish between the real thing and the at least perceived fake thing. Um, for example, let's go to film photography for a second. Uh, if you shoot on film these days, you have a couple of different ways to make that into a physical picture that you can hang up on the wall. And one is you go to the traditional analog dark room and you make what's called a silver gelatin print which is actual silver being exposed to light and blackening and then fixing and developing and fixing and and you have this arcane photo that there's something to that i mean we both know the how magic the the, the analog process is mm. And then you have the other process, which is more of a, we call that hybrid process, where you scan this in high resolution. So you have a scan of a negative, and then you print it on a printer, usually inkjet printers that work with particle inks and with like special, special inks that actually age, age much less than the, than the silver in photos. So yeah. you have you have like from a quality point of view you have something that is better in many ways including I'm including something that comes out of one of these printers to last for hundreds of years potentially whereas a photo um that you hang up on the wall might be faded in in a, in a couple of years so but but people still perceive the value of the analog silver gelatin print that has been made in the dark room they still perceive that to be more to have more value because 
the it's 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 a one of a kind it's uh, a different process so mm. in order to distinguish those two uh, the people who run galleries and, and artists have had to come up with different ways of kind of labeling those and finding uh, finding ways to to assure people of, of the value of that and i think we are moving to a similar thing in in stock photography where you might have to declare is this a real photo or is this how much how much <laughs> think, ai is in this photo that's it that's interesting because do you think the people that consume stock photography at that level actually worry about that sort of thing people who consume stock photography for selling stuff i think don't initially but if you look at hollywood at how how special effects are created there is a group of filmmakers who really value the the, the physical effects the real effects as mm. in as opposed to the the cgi the rendered computer generated imagery because it there is something to that real effect this practical effect that is hard to replicate in, hard to replicate in today <laughs> today yes we are um, we're getting better, but there's still a lot to be said about um, about doing something practically. So maybe the stock photography as we know it, well, maybe not stock photography, maybe landscape photography as we know it and other kind of photography. Um, maybe in future you'll have to just tell people that, um, by the way, those are real. <laughs> those are not. Those are not from NVIDIA. Uh, yeah okay so so that, that well that's interesting because you, you've mentioned a few sort of use cases there that i'm i'm intrigued by because i mean i think or that whilst there may be and especially in you, you mentioned the, the the movie making community i think especially there would be interest there um and i would have thought that this actually because of the amount of compute power this sort of thing still takes to do realistically uh, across multiple frames. Um, I, you know, what this reminds me of more than perhaps some other things in the movie uh, world is Pixar. Mm -hmm. So, so Pixar did all of this with animation, didn't they? They didn't seek to be photorealistic. Um, uh, and and I wonder if this, if you could imagine a a photorealistic Pixar movie, and have they made any? I don't think they've made any. Um, although obviously there, there's lots and lots of complex computation of light and space and things like that in, in, in a Pixar movie and has been since the very early ones, and, you know, Toy Story and stuff like that, you know, all very um, creatively and re you know, detailed rendering. Um, the, we, 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 have to, we have to make an episode on the Uncanny Valley as well because that's what's happening. If you go too realistic, then it becomes uncanny. Yeah. Well, the, so you, you, yeah, that's that's true, um, and which is why I don't own a four K TV because I can't stand the sight of them, <laughs> I, and 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 why you know, and and I also um, have all of the the so called improvement effects on my television switched off because when when it makes it when it takes a, something that's at twenty four or thirty frames and and spins it up to sixty frames by interpolation. Uh, it, it just drives me nuts. I can't actually watch it. It's too, I'm, I'm too distracted by the technology and what it's doing to, to actually follow whatever is the story of what I'm watching. 
Um, so I tend to have all of that stuff turned off. Um, but it's in, but but you know uh, the kids of today, um, uh, you know me, me, you know for them, sixty frames a second is the new twenty four, isn't it? Oh, they grew up with a completely different visual landscape. So, yeah, and and you know, in a nature nurture kind of sense, do they see that as hyper realistic? Do they see that as they as might look at your twenty four frames a second and go, "Oh, that looks so old." Yeah, yeah, it might look, it might simply look old fashioned to them in a way that they may not understand why. You know, in the way that you, you, if you see, if we see a, a photograph that was made in the, the 1970s, we would say that we would look at that and say, no, that looks old fashioned, wouldn't it? Perhaps. And partly that's due to the way that the, the media has aged, but partly it's to do with the color palette that was available at that point in time. Um, and may, maybe, you know, the, the 24 FPS view of the world is going to be the same to kids of today as the uh, uh, as the 1970s color palette is to you and I. Oh, uh, I most know. most definitely yes. So so the question is stock photography toast. I I don't think it is just yet um, because the, the, I don't think we are going to be replaced anytime soon um, as artists in. In, in in air quotes but i think we will in future be using ai as a tool because we still need to be the ones to compose the picture i still don't think that an ai can do this with um the background that a that a human has at least not for a while so i think we'll probably turn more into tool users and that will be one tool next to our cameras so I agree. I don't think I don't think that it's going to replace everything anytime soon. I I, I don't know. I, I but I don't think that that necessarily is because the people who purchase a new stock photography actually care. Um, if they if they were going to, they're, they're, they're after an outcome, aren't they? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, uh, and if they get their outcome to a certain level of quality, I think it's because there's still some way to go yet before you can generate realistic scenarios or scenes that would um, be useful. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of skeptical if we're oh, really okay. that far away. <laughs> if you if you watch that video again, the Nvidia introduction video of that, the people in there. Um, I'm beginning to have my doubts if they are actually real. <laughs> <laughs> well, the people on the video. <laughs> oh, have you have you seen what Nvidia can do with people at this point? So, uh, now I think they are still real, but they're not too far off. So, I I would think that there is uh, interesting <laughs> stuff going to happen. There's an entire industry is going to be in big trouble. So, if you if you are into stock photography, you the listener. If you are, if you make your most of your living from stock photography, I start thinking about other venues at this point. Mm. Weddings. There's always going to be room for wedding photographers. <laughs> okay, as long as people keep getting married, there is. <laughs> all right, well, let's all become wedding photographers. Yay! Okay, I think that's that's enough of that. Um, we've put some links in the show notes, and if you if you get your hands on that code, I think it should be online now. Um, and play with it and create something interesting that's a tfop hashtag right there go to social media post your photos uh, tag them with tfop now t-f-o-p n-o-w and let us know that you did something that is uh, in the future of photography 
All right. Excellent. That wraps this one up. We'll be back in a week with another one. Until then, take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Future of Photography, a production by Adrian Stock and Chris Marquardt. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your other podcasts. Find the show notes and more information at thefutureofphotography.com. Thank you.